O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom for ever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Friday, August 6th. It is prophesied in the book of Amos that in the last days there will be a famine in the land. Not a famine for food, but a famine for the word of God, as it is written in Amos 8, 11 and 12. Behold, the days come, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. Even in the days of Joseph, There were seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. He had stored up grain for the seven years of famine. The Daily Audio Torah is your storehouse where you can get grain. It is twenty minutes every day of pure scripture flowing out, living manna to feed your spirit. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures, and from the King James for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Re, and it means, See. Deuteronomy 15, 1-23 Every seventh year you shall practice remission of debts. This shall be the nature of the remission. Every creditor shall remit the due that he claims from his fellow. He shall not dun his fellow or kinsman, for the remission proclaimed is of Hashem. You may dun the foreigner, you must remit whatever is due you from your kinsman. There shall be no needy among you, since Hashem your God will bless you in the land that Hashem your God is giving you as a hereditary portion. If only you heed Hashem, your God, and take care to keep all this instruction that I enjoin upon you this day. For Hashem, your God, will bless you as He has promised you. You will extend loans to many nations, but require none yourself. You will dominate many nations, but they will not dominate you. If, however, there is a needy person among you, one of your kinsmen in any of your settlements in the land that Hashem your God is giving you, do not harden your heart and shut your hand against your needy kinsman. Rather, you must open your hand and lend him sufficient for what he needs. Beware lest you harvest the base thought. The seventh year, the year of remission, is approaching, so that you are mean to your needy kinsman and give him nothing. He will cry out to Hashem against you, and you will incur guilt. Give to him readily, and have no regrets when you do so. 
For in return, Hashem your God will bless you in all your efforts and in all your undertakings. For there will never cease to be needy ones in your land, which is why I command you. Open your hand to the poor and needy kinsmen in your land. If a fellow Hebrew, man or woman, is sold to you, he shall serve you six years, and in the seventh year you shall set him free. When you set him free, do not let him go empty-handed. Furnish him out of the flock, threshing floor, and vat, with which Hashem your God has blessed you. Bear in mind that you were slaves in the land of Egypt, and Hashem your God redeemed you. Therefore I enjoin this commandment upon you today. But should he say to you, I do not want to leave you, for he loves you and your household and is happy with you, you shall take an awl and put it through his ear, and he shall become your slave in perpetuity. Do the same with your female slave. When you do set him free, do not feel aggrieved, for in the six years he has given you double the service of a hired man. Moreover, Hashem your God will bless you in all you do. You shall consecrate to Hashem your God all male firstlings that are born in your herd and in your flock. You must not work your firstling ox or shear your firstling sheep. You and your household shall eat it annually before Hashem your God in the place that Hashem will choose. But if it has a defect, lameness or blindness, any serious defect, you shall not sacrifice it to Hashem your God. Eat it in your settlements, the unclean among you no less than the clean, just like the gazelle and the deer. Only you must not partake of its blood. You shall pour it out on the ground like water. Ezra 3, 1-4, When the seventh month arrived, the Israelites being settled in their towns, the entire people assembled as one man in Jerusalem. Then Yeshua son of Jazadak and his brother Kohanim, and Zerubbabel son of Shealtiel, and his brothers set to and built the altar of the God of Israel to offer burnt offerings upon it, as is written in the teaching of Moses, the man of Hashem. They set up the altar on its site because they were in fear of the peoples of the land, and they offered burnt offerings on it to Hashem, burnt offerings each morning and evening. Then they celebrated the festival of Sukkot, as is written, with its daily burnt offerings in the proper quantities on each day as is prescribed for it, followed by the regular burnt offering and the offerings of the new moons, and for all the sacred fixed times of Hashem, and whatever free will offerings were made to Hashem. From the first day of the seventh month they began to make burnt offerings to Hashem, though the foundation of the temple of Hashem had not been laid. They paid the hewers and craftsmen with money, and the Sidonians and Tyrians with food, drink, and oil to bring cedar wood from Lebanon by sea to Jaffa, in accordance with the authorization granted them by King Cyrus of Persia. In the second year after their arrival at the house of Hashem, at Jerusalem, in the second month, Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and Yeshua, son of Jazadak, and the rest of their brother Kohanim and Leviim, and all who had come from the captivity to Jerusalem, 
as their first step, appointed Leviim from the age of twenty and upward to supervise the work of the house of Hashem. Yeshua, his sons and brothers, Cadmiel and his sons, the sons of Yehuda, together were appointed in charge of those who did the work in the house of Hashem. Also the sons of Henadad, their brothers and sons, brought Leviim. When the builders had laid the foundation of the temple of Hashem, Kohanim in their vestments with trumpets, and Leviim, sons of Asaph with cymbals, were stationed to give praise to Hashem as King David of Israel had ordained. They sang songs extolling and praising Hashem, for He is good. His steadfast love for Israel is eternal. All the people raised a great shout, extolling Hashem, because the foundation of the house of Hashem had been laid. Many of the Kohanim and Leviim and the chiefs of the clans, the old men who had seen the first house, wept loudly at the sight of the founding of this house. Many others shouted joyously at the top of their voices. The people could not distinguish the shouts of joy from the people's weeping, for the people raised a great shout, the sound of which could be heard from afar. When the adversaries of Yehuda and Benjamin heard that the returned exiles were building a temple to the God of Israel, they approached Zerubbabel and the chiefs of the clans and said to them, Let us build with you, since we too worship your God having offered sacrifices to him since the time of King Esarhaddon of Assyria, who brought us here. Zerubbabel, Yeshua, and the rest of the chiefs of the clans of Israel answered them, It is not for you and us to build a house to our God, but we alone will build it to the God of Israel, in accord with the charge that the king, King Cyrus of Persia, laid upon us. Thereupon the people of the land undermined the resolve of the people of Yehuda, and made them afraid to build. They bribed ministers in order to thwart their plans all the years of King Cyrus of Persia and until the reign of King Darius of Persia. And in the reign of Ahasuerus, at the start of his reign, they drew up an accusation against the inhabitants of Yehuda and Jerusalem. And in the time of Artaxerxes, Bishlam, Mithridath, Tabil, and the rest of their colleagues wrote to King Artaxerxes of Persia a letter written in Aramaic and translated in Aramaic. Rehum, the commissioner, and Shimshai, the scribe, wrote a letter concerning Jerusalem to King Artaxerxes as follows. Then Rehum, the commissioner, and Shimshai, the scribe, and the rest of their colleagues, the judges, officials, officers, and overseers, the men of Erech and of Babylon and of Susa, that is, the Elamites, and other peoples whom the great and glorious Osnapper deported and settled in the city of Shomron, and the rest of the province beyond the river wrote, and now this is the text of the letter which they sent to him. To King Artaxerxes, from your servants, men of the province beyond the river. And now, be it known to the king that the Yehudim who came up from you to us 
have reached Jerusalem and are rebuilding that rebellious and wicked city. They are completing the walls and repairing the foundation. Now be it known to the king that if this city is rebuilt and the walls completed, they will not pay tribute, poll tax, or land tax, and in the end it will harm the kingdom. Now since we eat the salt of the palace, and it is not right that we should see the king dishonored, we have written to advise the king of this, so that you may search the records of your fathers and find in the records and know that this city is a rebellious city, harmful to kings and states. Sedition has been rife in it from early times. On that account, this city was destroyed. We advise the king that if this city is rebuilt and its walls are completed, you will no longer have any portion in the province beyond the river. The king sent back the following message to Rehum, the commissioner, and Shimshai, the scribe, and the rest of their colleagues who dwell in Shomron, Samaria, and in the rest of the province of beyond the river. Greetings. Now the letter that you wrote me has been read to me in translation. At my order, a search has been made, and it has been found that this city has from its earliest times risen against kings, and that rebellion and sedition have been rife in it. Powerful kings have ruled over Jerusalem and exercised authority over the whole province of beyond the river, and tribute, poll tax, and land tax were paid to them. Now issue an order to stop these men. This city is not to be rebuilt until I so order. Take care not to be lax in this matter, or there will be much damage and harm to the kingdom. When the text of the letter from King Artaxerxes was read before Rehum and Shimshai the scribe and their colleagues, they hurried to Jerusalem, to the Yehudim, and stopped them by main force. At that time, work on the house of Hashem in Jerusalem stopped and remained in abeyance until the second year of the king of King Darius of Persia. 1 Corinthians 2, 6-3-4 Howbeit we, Paul and his co-workers, speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them to us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knows no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, 
but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk, and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. For you are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying, and strife, and divisions, are you not carnal, and walk as men? For while one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not yet carnal? Psalm 28, 1-9 Unto you will I cry, O Lord my rock, be not silent to me, lest, if you be silent to me, I become like them that go down into the pit. Hear the voice of my supplications. When I cry unto you, when I lift up my hands toward your holy oracle, draw me not away with the wicked and with the workers of iniquity, which speak peace to their neighbors, but mischief is in their hearts. Give them according to their deeds and according to the wickedness of their endeavors. Give them after the work of their hands. Render to them their desert because they regard not the works of the Lord, nor the operation of his hands. He shall destroy them and not build them up. Blessed be the Lord, because he has heard the voice of my supplications. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore my heart greatly rejoices, and with my song will I praise him. The Lord is their strength, and he is the saving strength of his anointed. Save your people, and bless your inheritance. Feed them also, and lift them up wherever. Proverbs 20, 24 and 25 Man's goings are of the Lord. How can a man then understand his own way? It is a snare to the man who devours that which is holy, and after vows to make iniquity. I'd like to speak to you from the Torah portion today, Deuteronomy chapter 15. And in this chapter, we see a principle of how God runs his economy. And when God runs his economy, there is not a situation where the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Instead, every seven years there is an economic reset, and all debts are discharged, are erased, wiped off the board. And so, chapter 15, verses 1 and 2 reads, Every seventh year you shall practice remission of debts. This shall be the nature of the remission. Every creditor shall remit the due that he claims from his fellow. He shall not dun his fellow or kinsman, for the remission proclaimed is of Hashem. 
Let me read that second verse in another translation. Uh, it's not necessarily clear. What, is, what does done mean? D-U-N. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 2, in the King James Version, it reads, And this is the manner of the release. Every creditor that lends ought unto his neighbor shall release it. He shall not exact it of his neighbor or of his brother, because it is called the Lord's release. So it's the idea of you're not going to collect that debt. You're going to release that into the hand of the Lord and not oppress or pressure the person who owes you money to pay it. Debts are wiped out every seventh year. And so in doing this, uh, you don't have the rich getting richer, the poor getting poorer. You don't have the big banksters getting wealthy over decades and over centuries because the main way that they get wealthy is by collecting interest. And so this is how God runs his economy. Look, let's look at verse 4. There shall be no needy among you, since Hashem your God will bless you in the land that Hashem your God is giving you as a hereditary portion. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. The Hebrew word for blessing, baraka, is very similar to the word for pool of water, baraka. Water refreshes, nourishes, and purifies. In fact, immersing in the special pool of water known as a mikvah, ritual bath, is the final stage of purification for those who have become ritually impure. Similarly, when we bless something, we raise it spiritually. The Bible repeatedly refers to the land of Israel as a blessing, teaching us that Israel is the source of abundant blessings, both material and spiritual, for the entire world. Continuing on in this chapter, let's look at verse 11. For there will never cease to be needy ones in your land, which is why I command you, open your hand to the poor and needy kinsmen in your land. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. Strangely, the word lechem, bread, is the root of the word milkama, which means war. According to Rabbi Benjamin Bleck in his book, The Secrets of Hebrew Words, people usually do not go to war because they are wicked, but rather because they are deprived of basic necessities, such as bread. If we take care of those who are needy and provide for those who are hungry, we will be one step closer to bringing peace to the world. This is one of the reasons why the state of Israel allows for an enormous amount of supplies to cross over into Gaza each day, supplying the people living in Gaza with goods, such as food, medical devices, and construction materials. The Hamas-controlled areas remains extremely hostile towards Israel. Nevertheless, Israel hopes that the daily deliveries of bread and other supplies will lead to peace. Now, the last thing in this chapter that I want to bring out is this process of a servant becoming a member of the family. So we'll start in verse 15. Bear in mind that you were slaves in the land of Egypt, and Hashem, your God, redeemed you. Therefore, I enjoin you this commandment upon you today. 
that a slave works for you for seven years, and in the seventh year he is set free. In the seventh year you shall set him free. Verse 12. Verse 16. But should he say to you, I do not want to leave you, for he loves you and your household and is happy with you, then you shall take an awl, that's a wooden nail, and put it through his ear into the door, and he shall become your slave in perpetuity. Do the same with your female slave. What a beautiful picture. And in the New Testament, we see this beautiful picture, um, a remez hint to this uh, practice, this protocol, spoken of by Paul. And in Romans chapter 1, verse 1, Paul says, Paul, a bond servant of Christ Yeshua, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Paul goes on to say in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bond servant of Christ. We see this same concept uh, revealed in Philippians chapter 2, verse 7. But he, that is Yeshua, emptied himself, taking the form of a bond servant, and being made in the likeness of men. So basically, Paul is saying, I am a bond servant of Yeshua. In other words, Yeshua, you have my ear. You can take a wooden awl, a wooden nail, and punch a hole right through my ear. You have my ear. You have my hands. You have my feet. You have my mind. You have my heart. You have all that I am. I give to you. I am your bondservant, and I do it for love. He's a love slave to Yeshua. And that picture is what is painted in this section in Deuteronomy 15, that we too have a choice and a decision. We can choose to be a bond servant of our Messiah out of love. Now I want to take a look at Ezra chapter 3 and 4. And what we see is that King Cyrus of Persia has given uh, a decree to the Jews who were living in Babylon and said, you can return to Jerusalem and you can build the house of God. Rebuild the temple. Rebuild the city. And when they get there, they are starting to be harassed by the locals. And so these locals who are there in chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, it is written, The locals, they bribed ministers in order to thwart their plans all the years of King Cyrus of Persia, and until the reign of King Darius of Persia. And in the reign of Ahasuerus, at the start of his reign, they drew up an accusation against the inhabitants of Yehuda and Jerusalem. And towards the end of the chapter, at the end of the chapter, verse 24, it says, At that time, work on the house of Hashem in Jerusalem stopped and remained in abeyance until the second year of the king of the reign of King Darius of Persia. So I see some parallels 
between what we're reading about here and um, some modern current events. So when President Trump took office for almost five years ago, almost immediately his enemies began a witch hunt and they started this whole special prosecutor process accusing him of collusion with the Russians and Robert Mueller, the whole Mueller investigation that went on for quite some time. And they were actually harassing him even before he was elected as president. And so all kinds of sabotage and thwarting of his plans and, and false accusations were brought against President Trump. And it was really a major sabotage and an, and an undermining of what he was able to accomplish during his four years. And so the same kind of dynamic was going on back then, a sabotage that we don't want you to build the temple. We don't want you rebuilding the city of Jerusalem. They actually wrote a letter and sent it off to the king saying, oh, this city, Jerusalem is a wicked city. The city is rebellious. They won't pay their taxes. They won't pay their tribute. They lead the whole region into rebellion. You need to shut them down. And the king actually uh, pays attention to it. So um, this must have been very challenging for Ezra and the men that were trying to build the temple and even discouraging. I would imagine perhaps some just packed it up and went home or quit and gave up. And yet God calls us to persevere. And often some of the greatest accomplishments, the greatest um, feats of great courage happen in the context of adversity, when there's opposition, when there's pushback, when there, when it's not easy, but it's difficult and challenging. That's when there have been certain people who just shine. Um, and in spite of the adversity, they accomplish great things. So I'll leave you with that thought, and we'll see you tomorrow. Have a blessed day. Adonai The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24-26 Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.